Welcome to the PKN Podcast, where we give you the wrap on all things packaging. Welcome to the PKN Packaging News Podcast. My name's Grant McCarran, and as ever, I'm joined by Lindy Hewson, Managing Editor and Publisher of PKN Packaging News and the host of this show. G'day, Lindy. Can you please tell us about our topic and our guest for this episode? Well, hello, Grant. Today, we're going to be continuing our conversation about Australia's pursuit of a circular economy. And with us in the studio, we have Dr. Nicole Garifano. She's the head of circular economy development at Planet Arc, and she's had a very, very interesting journey um, to arrive in her role and in the packaging industry per se. Now, Nicole, welcome to the PKN podcast. Tell us all about how it began. Thank you, Lindy. It's it's really a great pr- pleasure and a privilege to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, my my indeed, as you say, my role to my journey to get to here and, and be speaking about packaging with you today is is quite diverse. Uh, I started this journey, I would say, probably about seventeen or eighteen years ago. Um, I had finished a an, uh, a career in the travel industry, spending 14 years there. Um, in 2003, I had the chance to travel, to take a year off and travel. Uh, in that time, I spent seven months in Central and South America, uh, just learning about new cultures, learning Spanish, having the privilege of not having to work for, for that time. How delightful. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Uh, I, I met some incredible people, was exposed to age-old cultures, very different ways of living, and it was an extremely inspiring time in my life. From that, though, I then spent had the opportunity to spend three months in the Caribbean. And in that time, I found myself in Barbados, small island developing state, and I spent the first month there enjoying, as one would do, in a Caribbean nation, uh, on the beach with the palm trees and rum punch, etc. cetera. Uh, but after that first month, I decided that I wanted to do something a little bit different. And I had been introduced to a centre when I was travelling in South America from a, an English woman that I met. And this centre in Barbados was an environmental education outlet, if you say, or organisation And through this person's introduction, I was uh, asked by her actually to go and say hello to the person that she knew when she had visited there a couple of years previous. And so I thought after that month, let me go and see if I can find this person that that this woman had asked me to go and say hello to. So I went to the centre and I asked if I could say hello to this person. The person was no longer working there. However, I asked the question and said, what is it that you actually do here? And I would say that that question has led me on this 17-year journey to now be speaking with you today. That question was asked of an organization called the Future Center Trust. And I ended up spending the following two months volunteering for much of the, the work days during the week, just helping out with uh, in their garden. They had a market garden. They had a, a large plantation house with exhibits. And they had school children predominantly coming to visit uh, to learn about environmental education. So that then led to um, an involvement with Clean Up Barbados. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah. So in those first couple of months, I I had the chance to, um, I was actually invited to come back. Uh, I'd left Barbados after those two months and then I was invited to come back to Barbados for a two-year volunteer role. 
And within those first two years, we identified what sort of a strategy we might use to implement some more activities with the Future Centre Trust. Those two years turned into eight years, and a big part of those eight years was organising activities such as Clean Up Barbados. So this was a nationwide clean-up event similar to Clean Up Australia. It was actually linked to Clean Up the World, which was functioning at that time. Um, and it became a national event that takes place every September. So it continues to this day, although it's, uh, it's not happening this year because of COVID in Barbados. But it was the foundation of many other activities, including a green business program that we started. And importantly for this conversation, a community recycling initiative. So that really was your introduction to packaging, um, and particularly how to deal with packaging waste, waste in small island developing states. And that's still something that you hold quite dear to your heart. Yeah, indeed. It was, it was an interesting time because I realized the level of importation of products that were coming into the country, uh, the challenges with, with small amounts of resources to manage waste effectively, the importance of having material brokers. So we were fortunate to have a material broker in Barbados who had already been working with glass bottle collections and returns in, in the same way that, that many breweries, for example, who still use beer bottles in some countries and return them back into the system for a reuse model. Um, but they had expanded that glass collection to PET bottles and then other HDPE, aluminium cans, etc. as the markets, the global markets were more accepting of these materials. So it was a fascinating introduction to packaging through that community recycling initiative. So then fast forward to 2015, where you had left Barbados, but you had decided then to start doing some research and uh, ventured out onto a master's degree. Is that correct? Yes, yeah. So I actually left Barbados in 2012, came back and did a master's degree. And the master's was in development practice with an environmental management focus. And so I continued my, my reflections and my processing, if you will, of my Barbados experience throughout all of my assessments in that, during that time. And out of that master's, I decided in 2015 to source some funding and go back to Barbados and interview all of the community leaders that we had engaged with in that community recycling initiative to really understand their thoughts on, on how the program was going, how it was implemented, what could be improved. Uh, and it was a, it was a great opportunity to have a much longer research um, project to focus on. And it was through that project that I was introduced to the opportunity of, of completing a PhD. Um, so I, I partnered with a, an academic for that smaller research project. And when I came back from, from my two months in Barbados collecting all the data, um, uh, my, my academic colleague, uh, Professor Kelly Fielding, she asked me, Nicole, remind me again why you're not doing a PhD with all of this data that you've collected. Uh, and I just, I, I did, I thought, well, I, I'm just interested in finding out for this little project. And, and she really encouraged me to consider applying. And so I did. And in 2016, I had the opportunity to, to enroll and, and participate in a PhD program. So what did your PhD focus on? Yeah. So, uh, it started off focusing on whether that same community recycling model that we implemented in Barbados could be, uh, considered for other small island developing states, but it quickly, morphed into something that was far more comprehensive. And so what it ended up being was a study of the food and plastic food and beverage 
packaging value chain, but particularly as the value chain applies to small island developing states. So I conducted a study of um, the, the packaging flows through Barbados, St. Vincent and the, and the Grenadines in the Caribbean, Vanuatu in the Pacific and the Seychelles in the Indian Ocean. Um, the Seychelles was a, a minor case study, so the other three were the, the major case studies. And so I mapped the chains from point of manufacture uh, to the consumer's hand in, in the small island states and then what end-of-life options were currently offered to look at innovations. And what did you conclude about uh, the, the ability to replicate the model from Barbados to those other islands? Yeah, it was interesting because the Caribbean examples were – uh, it's the cultural differences between the two regions were quite marked. Uh, also, the amount of uh, distance and archipelagos that we have in, in the Pacific in comparison to, say, Barbados, which is a single island nation. Um, so, Bar the Barbados experience could work in other single island nations or perhaps in um, islands where the capital, like in, for example, in Vanuatu, Efate is is the cap is the island on which Port Vila sits, which is the capital. So it could work to some degree in more sort of urban areas or areas where there were less logistics challenges um, and where scale could be built. So those are the two things that I found which were quite challenging: scale and logistics. So it could be replicated, but probably not necessarily to the same degree as what we had created in Barbados. So let's talk now about a larger island nation ourselves, <laughs> a continent that is an island, um, and one that is starting to talk circular economy. And now you've joined an organization in which you head the circular economy development. Um, now, Planet Arc has long been an advocacy group that has been championing circular economy values and principles for quite some time. So, Nicole, tell me a bit about Planet Arc itself and its voice that it's, it has been asserting. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I feel so privileged. I mean, my, my journey to here and particularly that PhD, really unpacking the value chain and identifying where circular economy principles were evident throughout that packaging value chain it's, it's really led me to here and I'm so privileged and excited to be able to participate and, and contribute to the team's efforts at Planet Arc. Planet Arc, as, as you mentioned, it has been, it's 30 years old next year. Uh, we have been, become Australia's leading environmental organization. And over those years, we've been really participating quite significantly in creating change around circular economy. There are examples of product stewardship that have been created such as the Cartridges for Planet Arc program. Um, we're now looking at um, a coffee pod program, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, we've done a lot of behaviour change, a lot of consumer education through Recycling Near You, for example, Business Recycling, National Recycling Week um, and uh, National Tree Day. So we've really been quite active in creating a, a community awareness and generating that change through really quite tangible actions with with community members. And um, one thing that's notable about Planet Arc's work is that you work with with business, with industry, with governments, with schools, and at at the grassroots level with communities. So this brings us now to the Australian Circular Economy Hub or ACE Hub, as we have come to know it, um, which is Planet Arc's latest 
major initiative. Tell us more about that, Nicole. Yeah, so the, the ACE Hub was launched in November last year, so almost a year old. Uh, and at the time, the ACE Hub was generated because we recognised that businesses said that they wanted to have some kind of a, a knowledge hub that was in the Australian context that could help their transition to a circular economy. So the, essentially, the ACE Hub is, is that. That is our mission, to facilitate that transition to a circular economy. And what it is, is it's a, it's a, a knowledge bank, a collaboration platform where organisations can come together. Those who are adopting circular economy principles can share their lessons and their achievements. And those who are looking to adopt circular economy principles can, can come together, share stories, share learnings, and really collaborate to be able to uh, put us on this circular economy pathway. So we see ourselves as a, what's called a transition broker. So um, there's a well-known well circular economy expert by the name of Jacqueline Kramer, and uh, she's from the Netherlands. And she uh, identifies this role as one that really sort of fits well with what we're trying to achieve is, is that, you know, transition time, but also to bring organisations together so that we can all make sure that you know, it's, it's good for one organisation to be examining their, their circular economy principles, but in order to truly uh, achieve a circular economy, everybody needs to be working together. So that's the, the core principle. And what has been your progress so far? One year in, what's the progress? Oh, there's been so much. I mean, I, I've only been with the organisation since May and I am astounded as to uh, the, the amount of activities that have been achieved by the team. So most importantly, we have a really strong governance structure uh, that have been, that's been adopted. We have an advisory board with some incredibly uh, knowledgeable and well-known actors within the circular economy. Uh, and that advisory board is being supported by two working groups at the moment, a metrics working group and a procurement working group also with some incredible people that bring knowledge within those two sectors to support this transition. But in other activities where we're, you know, ho hoping to educate, I'm, I'm sure we are educating and we're, we're bringing people along on the journey, which is through webinars. We've had five webinars so far, almost 2,000 attendees or viewers of, of the website, of the webinars. Um, we've had 80,000 views of our website, the Ace Hub website. So there's some really great traction gaining there just with those uh, opportunities. We've got some incredible case studies as well, uh, almost 30 case studies published on the website and, and we've got goals to, to increase that number potentially up to uh, 200 uh, case studies. Um, and they're also getting, you know, many views as well. We've got research reports. So we, we produced the Circularity in Australian Business last year at, at the time of the launch. And we've got a second iteration of that coming out next month. So circular, Circularity in Australian Business 2021. We're also working on a marketplace initiative to bring buyers and sellers of materials and products together. And to help with this, a scoping study has now been completed. And this study is really helping us to identify opportunities to partner with various stakeholders to deliver a circular economy marketplace for Australia. And then we've got our collaboration portal, and that's going to be launched to the general public, uh, looking probably around November time, but we're launching that out to a, a sort of a, a final set of beta testing group early next month. So that's really exciting. And that will be, that portal will be the, 
the central point where we can put circular economy related content for Australia onto a live feed. We can have groups within there that can share information that are on circular economy. So I guess it's, it's almost like a LinkedIn, but purely just for circular economy. So, and for Australia. So that would be really exciting. Well, it seems to me from um, the amount of views and interest and engagement that you're getting, that it really is something that the public and industry is keen to get behind. I think there's no doubt that that's the only way forward for us in terms of our waste management and management of all uh, consumer goods, really, product stewardship, is to establish a, a solid circular economy. But if we think about the framework and the timing, we've got a lot of interest now. It's, it's, you know, there's lots of chatter. There's lots of buzz. Do you think that it will sustain itself and gather the momentum that we need in time? Yeah, I believe it will. I, I feel like right now we're, we're doing some really great work, but a lot of the discussion around circular economy is taking place in that waste that sort of principle too. So as we know, circular economy has three core principles. The first one is design out waste and pollution. The second one is keeping materials in use for longer and at their highest value. The third one is regenerating natural systems. So a lot of the activity I feel that's happening in the circular economy in Australia is happening in that second principle, which is great, but we need to be moving up. We need to be moving up to that design principle. And I feel like the design principle can be encouraged through the conversations that we're having around procurement. So procurement targets, these kinds of things, both at the national, state and local government level, these will be able to help sustain that interest. Because if we're actually putting requirements for products that are using some of the five business models that circular economy promotes, such as product as a service or servitization. When these start to appear in policy, then then we'll start to see that consistent uh, investment from private sector and public sector, as we're seeing somewhat with the Recycling Modernization Fund. But we'll also see that longer term vision of you know designing products to be kept on the market. So, in order to get them to appear in policy, there obviously has to be conversations with government at local, at state, at federal level. Does Planet Arc play a role in that? Well, in, to some degree, yes, because part of our role is to capture those stories, to capture the stories of who's doing what in the circular economy in Australia. And so we know, for example, that there are some excellent um, exemplars when it comes to local government. There are some uh, local government organisations and regional bodies that have actually adopted circular economy into their uh, procurement policies for councils. Uh, so that's really exciting. Uh, we're seeing at the state level that these um, procurement policies are starting to be adopted as well. And also at the federal level, there is a specific unit within the Department of Agriculture, Water and the Environment that is focusing on sustainable procurement. So these are great initiatives. But again, a lot of those discussions are being generated from within the waste space. Um, but potentially we need to be taking this conversation to economic development, to trade, to manufacturing, uh, so that we can have a very multidisciplinary approach, which is really what we need to be looking at to achieve a, a true circular economy. Now, one of the areas, Nicole, that I'm keen to hear more about is Planet Arc's involvement on the packaging side of things. And I know that it has got strong ties with APCO. And it has been instrumental in delivering the Australasian recycling label. And there are other projects too. So let's start with the ARL, 
And then we can move on to the coffee capsules you alluded to earlier. Yeah, so so APCO, of course, um, is leading the the ARL, but we're working with APCO and Prep Design to deliver the Australasian recycling label. So, as your listeners will know, the ARL is the Unpack Labeling Scheme um, to help consumers in Australia and New Zealand decide on what they can do with their packaging. So they're standing in their kitchen and they think, "What can I do with it?" The ARL is the easy confusion-saving contribution to making those decisions once the uh, post-consumption. So the ability to have the ARL is really also to support brand owners um, because they can then design packaging that's recyclable at end of life. And that really aligns, again, just bringing it back to the circular economy. It's a really important tool to ensure that we can have a circular economy with packaging. So what is Planet Arc's role then in that ARL delivery? Yeah, so our role is to help educate the community, so householders, school students, individuals, um, about the ARL, and that helps to provide that clarity on what they can do with with whether or not they can go in their recycling bin or do they take the, the packaging back to store, et cetera. So it's, it's really about consumer education. And that's where a lot of our efforts with Planet Arc have been invested over the last 30 years. So it just makes sense that we help to um, to support the program in that way. So the consumer education takes the form of social media, website? Yeah, so social media has been a a strong element. Um, At the end of last year, beginning of this year, we also did a TV campaign. Um, So that went out and had some good responses. But but this year, because of COVID mostly, we've we've spent a lot of time uh, working on school lesson plans. So that has been from foundation sort of early years all the way through to year 10. And we've had some really good responses with uptake on that. Almost sort of 80,000 students have engaged with with that material. We've now just actually developed a a new unit. So this is a unit that teachers can use throughout the semester or throughout the term. Um, So it's not just a one-off lesson. It can actually be used throughout the the school term. And that's specifically for years five and six. And certainly in my experience, um, working with years five and six in Barbados, for example, um, I uh, developed um, some climate change adaptation resources for school students and we found that, that those particular years as well there were quite effective. The, the information was delivered f- to the students but the information went home and that was really where the conversations were, were you know, ramping up. And I think the same can be said here for the information that's being shared at school. Um, well, particularly now with many children being homeschooled because of COVID, um, that information is making a strong infiltra- infiltration into household discussions thanks to those school uh, initiatives. Yes, well, we need to get them while they're young. <laughs> yes, And then they indeed. can <laughs> put the pressure on the parents and um, some change will happen. Now, the ARL has been, the uptake has been phenomenal and um, it's really great to see it's rolling out on product after product. So I'm really heartened by that development. Another thing that's been exciting has been some of the work around the coffee capsule projects. So can you share some of that with us? Yeah. So as, as listeners might be aware, the, um, the federal government released the product stewardship investment fund. And so Planet Arc is the recipient of one of those, is one of those 20 organisations to re- receive funding through that initiative. And our project is the National Coffee Capsule Product Stewardship Scheme. 
So we are essentially uh, designing this this scheme in partnership with Nespresso and Woolworths Group. And the capsules are, the capsules that we're looking at are those that are available on the domestic market in Australia. So we've got Nespresso, we've got Woolworths Group, but we're also working with other consortia, which um, consortia members including Victoria, Kruger Coffee, Grinders Coffee. And essentially the, the scheme will address all types of, of pods. So this is aluminium, uh, plastic pods. We're also looking at those that are compostable uh, as per the, the, the AS4736 uh, standard. And we're also looking at hybrids as well. So it'll be a, a, an all-inclusive uh, scheme that will address those, um, those things. It brings so much delight to people's daily routines. <laughs> yes, coffee. Where would we be without it? Yeah. Now, um, as I understand it, you not you don't only have um, a way of dealing with the packaging element of that pod, but also with the the grains themselves. You've developed a circular system for that. Yeah. So that's that's part of it. So we're actually looking at the whole the whole thing, so the the packaging, but also what can be done from the pods. And I'm not the expert on this. Um, Dr. Sean O'Malley, who's our project lead on on the coffee pod project. Uh, he has been sharing some of the gems on the amount of nutrients that still remain in those grains once the pods have gone through the machine. There's actually quite a bit that can be done with those nutrients, and that's that's part of this project as well to dive deep into the science of what can be done with those with those nutrients post use. So there'll be more on that um, as the year unfolds. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing more. Now, another area of your involvement is with the ANSPAC Plastics Pact, which is um, something that's come as part of the Ellen MacArthur Foundation's Plastics Pact. The ANSPAC Plastics Pact is what we have here in our region, the ANZ region, and it's ANZ and Pacific Islands, as far as I understand it. And you are the Australian Institute of Packaging representative on that. So do you want to share how that's come about? Yes. So, so my journey with the uh, AIP started at the beginning of 2019. Uh, I was, I had the opportunity to attend a technical packaging forum in Sydney when we were able to travel. And that was really my introduction. And, and over those, the, the next sort of two years, I really, again, because of the PhD, dived a lot into packaging. And I spent much of last year working with Nerida Kelton, of course, the executive director of the AIP to develop some case studies on the winners of the sustainable uh, category with the Packaging Innovation Design Awards. And so through that project, I dove even deeper into understanding the challenges and the opportunities that exist from sustainable packaging from those winners. And it was through that affiliation that Nerida obviously learned about my PhD and the unique uh, combination of interest in packaging, having the realities of spending time in Pacific Island countries such as Vanuatu, and being able to contribute to that discussion around the ANSPAC Plastics Pact. And I was following the development of the ANSPAC Plastics Pact for much of last year. And so uh, Nerida kindly uh, gave me a call and, and said, you know, would this be something that you would consider representing the AIP on, on the collective action group? And uh, I was completely privileged and honoured to be uh, suggested, to have that suggested to me. But uh, so now I'm actually able to implement or to at least use my PhD findings through this uh, this seat on, this, on the collective action group to represent the AIP members in Australia and New Zealand, 
but also with that lens of, of having the reality of, of how things work in a Pacific Island nation. Well, I'm sure you'll make a fantastic contribution. And to me, Nirida made a smart choice there. So well done to her. Um, Nicole, the time has come for us to wrap up. I would like to ask you to give one last message to the listeners about your views on where we're going with our circular economy pursuit. Yeah, I think we are making fantastic strides with the circular economy. Planet Arc is, is really doing its best to connect with all of the actors, state, local government, federal and industry to really highlight the exemplars of who's adopting circular economy right now because it's from those examples that we can learn so much. And we're also looking to Europe as well, the Netherlands particularly, one of our partners, Holland Circular Hotspot, we're looking to them to identify what we can learn so that we can make our process and our, our pathway here uh, less about wheel invention and uh, more about uh, learning from others so that we can continue. We're, we're making good strides. Uh, we've got a lot of ways to go, but there is a lot of excitement and a lot of interest in how we can do that together. And so I think the collaboration piece is really the message. It's going to take the largest collaboration effort that we've probably ever seen to truly adopt a circular economy in Australia, but we're on the right pathway to start that transition. Well, I'm very glad that you're part of that, of leading us in that journey, Nicole. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much, Lindy. Well, thanks to Nicole and Lindy. And of course, for our audience, you can find out more about ACE and Planet Arc by visiting their websites, acehub.org.au and planetarc.org. We'll include those sites in this episode's show notes. So with that, thanks for joining us on this episode. We'll be back in the not-too-distant future with another informative episode. But until then, have a great day. The PKN Podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of PKN Packaging News, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of PKN Packaging News, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact us via the website or send an email to editor at packagingnews.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's packaging industry at packagingnews.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.